Hi, my name is Rod Cleef. I'm host of the Lifetime Cashflow Podcast. And I want to take a second and talk about my friend Adam Adams and his events. Now, I've been blessed to speak at his events, and I know he's known as one of the top meetup organizers on the planet. But let me just say this about Adam. If he's, if he's having an event, go to it. Adam focuses on adding absolutely as much value as possible. He comes with my highest endorsement. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by realbluespruce.com. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And today I'm with another podcaster, the Mailbox Money King, I think he's called, the Mailbox Money King. Is that right, <laughs> Dwayne? Yeah, sometimes my clients will try to call me all different things. Uh, normally it's Mailbox Money Guy. Mailbox Money King is just as good. I'll take that too. <laughs> all right, perfect. All right, so Dwayne Clark, a.k.a. the Mailbox Money Guy, is real estate investor, syndicator, broker, and he specializes in single ten tenant triple net leases. All right. So what what's the difference between a net lease and a triple net lease? Or are they the same? Well, essentially they're the same, but net lease can mean a different uh, amount of things. You have double net and you have like an absolute triple net. So an absolute triple net is when the tenant, you have a lease with the tenant where they're uh, directly responsible for all of the expenses associated with the property, which includes maintenance, insurance, taxes, upkeep, you know, cam charges, everything. And you just kind of lay back and they usually call those properties mailbox money properties because you just sit back and just collect the rent check. For a net lease, it can be, you know, a double net where the landlord is responsible for just the roof or the parking lot. And that's part of the, you know, ongoing expenses. But a lot of people kind of tend to go towards the, the absolute triple net leases, which is very passive. Cool. And the next question that I have is, as far as you got started in 2012 and you've done like $100 million since then, is that right? Yeah. So we kind of ramped it up. Most of my deals on average is about 3 to $5 million and I've done some very large stuff and we've done some large syndication deals through there. So like I said, in that net lease world, there's not many kind of smaller stuff. So I'm dealing kind of in the bigger, bigger range properties. And you've written three different real estate books? Yep. So I, I started out my real estate journey in house flipping and property management and brokerage. So through my journey and as I kind of learned and kind of you know got some experience, I had also wrote a book in apartment investing and then also on self-directed IRAs because I was dealing with a lot of private investors that wanted to kind of learn more about that niche. So I wrote a little bit deeper on that. And then finally, now that I'm kind of specializing in the net lease world, wrote my, my third book, which is, you know, Mailbox Money. Awesome. I love that. And then tell us a little bit more about your podcast before we get, dive into more questions. Yeah, sure. So it's the Wealth of Real Estate Investing podcast. And, you know, it's similar to, you know, to like yours, we're talking to a lot of different real estate investors movers and shakers, a lot of people in the industry, you know, from attorneys, from syndicators to brokers. So we're trying to get a big, you know, perspective. My investor and client base is pretty, pretty broad. So we're trying to deliver some content so they can learn and kind of, you know, network with more individuals like yourself and trying to bring to people together. The first question I want to ask you is about your book, investing in real estate with your IRA or could you tell me again the, the title of it? I think I slightly missed it. Yeah, it's called the Real Estate IRA and it was just really a focus, more of like a guidebook on investors that were curious about real estate, 
have an IRA, they have money in the traditional financial markets like stocks and bonds, and wanted a little bit more information on how they got into it. So I kind of detail the process, kind of the technical process of going through the steps. Uh, first, you know, why is real estate important? Why you should be involved into it from converting your hard-earned assets over to passive income and kind of the tax advantages of, the, of that. And also the tax advantage of using a self-directed IRA account to invest into real estate to get you some more, more control of your, you know, of your destiny. Usually when you're dealing with um, your money manager, they just want you to put you in stocks and bonds and then, you know, wherever the market goes, you just kind of have to take it. But some people want to kind of take more advantage of their lifestyle and how they want to see their future so they can utilize real estate as a vehicle. So I just kind of pretty much laid out kind of the, the guide points and some tips and steps on how you can do that. And I'll just from my experience from working with investors in the past, as well as my own deals on how they utilize it to know in order to utilize this kind of this wealth platform, I would say. Okay. Well, what are some of those steps? I know that I threw this at you, but what are some of the step-by-steps that you might be able to share with us in case somebody's never done that before? They're like, wait, what? You can't invest your real estate in IRA with your, you can't invest in real estate with an IRA. That's, that's impossible. It's illegal. You can only invest in the stock market with your IRA. So if someone's saying something like that, what are some of the steps that they can take towards self-directing it and actually being able to buy real estate? Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. Well, I can't talk very, very technical because like I said, I, I've worked with a lot of different self-directed IRA custodians, but the main process first is just getting over that hump to realize that it actually can, you can do it. It is legal. It's just not a lot of education that's out there that's promoting that. Uh, I would say a lot of um, money managers or um, financial gurus will say, you know, look, just put your money into a money market account or just stop it in the, the, you know, the markets and just don't worry about it and just let it go. But real estate, you know, people have to get first educated on, you know, you can do it, then get educated on the real estate of what you want to do because you can do not only buy large commercial real estate, you can buy it to syndication, you can do fix and flips. So there's a lot of many different property types that you can do. So I'll say kind of the next step will just be kind of getting educated in that process. The next will be uh, contacting a legit, uh, credible um, uh, IRA custodian that handles that because not all of them are the same. Some just specializes just in the financial market. So you have to have one that specializes in real estate. Then you talk with them and there's a lot of different forms and different uh, processes you have to go through and it can take from two weeks all the way to four weeks. So if you're buying a property, you have to make sure that you have the timing right as far as your purchase and sale agreement and the different avenues are if you're getting a loan. So you make sure you have to, all of those steps are in place and then funding that account. Um, some people have money in there that they can easily transfer, you know, transform into it. And then some that you just kind of keep funding it, you know, over time until you can be able to be ready for it. So it's really just getting started as far as realizing you can do it, deciding you can do it, educating yourself on the real estate type platform that you want to do, and then going over and finding a very credible IRA custodian that can help you take you to that home run. And then finally, you know, working with a credible real estate agent or broker or consultant, or if you're going to do it yourself, get highly educated, talk to people like yourself or, you know, go to RIAs and just get educated on the process before you do it. Because of course, real estate is a risk, but you have to know that all there, 
those steps are available to all of us to take advantage of. I love it. Thank you for going into all those steps and sharing how that can work. I have a question regarding your triple net lease as it pertains to self-directed IRAs. So um, when you actually buy a triple net lease property or double net lease as a syndication, can you also take in monies from self-directed retirement accounts? Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, a very big key that a lot of my investors are. They have IRA accounts and we put together large syndications like a CVS pharmacy or Walgreens or 7-Eleven gas station. So you can buy that asset utilizing you know, IRA funds, which is, which is key. So not only it's you're putting your money into passive investment real estate, but you're also investing into a triple net lease property where you, if you're not highly experienced, you're dealing with a tenant that's paying all of the expenses associated with the property. So you're really just focused on getting that cash flow that's going right back into your IRA account and just building up over time for your retirement. So that's kind of the benefit of the you know single tenant. Of course, other different types of real estate, fix and flip, apartments, self-storage, mobile home parks, all good platforms. But some people, my, my investors, my clients, they like the, the truly, truly passive side. And if you get into a really nice, tenant, like an institutional grade tenant, like a 7-Eleven, which is rated by the Moody's and S&P, that you know that check is coming in. You're going to get, you know, have them as a good tenant for 10, 20 years, and it's going to help build that retirement. It's going to you know, give you the future that you want. Really, really, really cool. Awesome stuff. So let's talk a little bit more about just your business model. First off, how so with when you're doing uh, triple net leases, where are you finding them? How do you find your deals with triple net lease? Yeah, so it took me a while to, to build up. I have a very large network of owners, developers, and other um, brokers in the industry. So it's just kind of building up my Rolodex over time from going to these large, large meetings and events you know, nationwide, talking to people, getting referrals from from accountants and lawyers and just kind of just over time having a just a Rolodex of people that I can count on. And I work with a lot of 1031 exchange um, buyer clients who are, you know, for people that are familiar with the 1031 exchange. Once you sell a property, the government will allow you 45 days to find a replacement property uh, to replace those funds that you, you know, profited from into another property and allow you to kind of defer those taxes over. Uh, so I'm getting people that's looking for a good property so I can reach out to my network and place them exactly with what they're particularly looking for as far as yield and term and kind of their whole goal of, of the investment and kind of get, get those players in, in, uh, in place. So when you are working with them, how much time do you spend one-on-one -on -one with each investor? And are the, when you do spend time, learning a little bit more about what they're looking for and what their risk um, profile is. Are, are you doing this in at lunch or doing it over the phone? Are you doing it as a webinar? What, is, what does that look like for you to be able to raise the equity that you need for your projects? Yeah, so it's a, it's a process. So if it, they're an exchange buyer or they're just a high net worth investor uh, looking for, for a deal. So Everything's over the phone. Um, surprisingly, all of my business is done virtually. So that's kind of like the, 
that's just the future. You know, I've done deals where I was on, on vacation in Croatia, laying on the beach. You know, I have my laptop open, get an internet connection, and then working on deals there. All of my clients have, um, well, I would say 90% of the clients have bought properties sight on scene in other states. Um, so we really, when I talk to them on the phone, or if it's do like a short kind of like Zoom conference call like this, we go over first their goals. You know, is this for retirement? Is this for yield? Um, you know, is it for cash flow? So we kind of find out where they want. Then we kind of line them up specifically on their risk tolerance. Then I can match them up specifically on what type of tenant. Because you have kind of institutional grade tenants going to have like a little bit lower yield, but has a very strong guarantee. Like say for a McDonald's corporation, they're an S&P, you know, double B, you know, or triple B tenant or a CVS pharmacy. They're in the B's as well. Those are very strong corporate graded tenants. Um, or you can go down to the franchise level where, you know, they just own maybe 30, 40 uh, fast food restaurants, which we sold plenty of those. So, so it really comes down to what the, the client wants and then their timeline. Um, you know, do they have 45 days because they have to replace a property or do you know, they have, you know, a pile of cash sitting around that they have time we can go take, you know, take a while because some of these deals go can turn around in like 24 hours as far as, being from available to you know being under contract. And then we look at kind of their risk tolerance. Are they looking for a short-term lease that have you know an option to where they can have five years left on the lease and then run it out and then hope that the tenant renews or a brand new construction that has 20 years on the lease and then they're just gonna hold them forever. And then are they gonna get a loan on it? Then we find out kind of the spread and see ultimately what their net profit would be. So, so it's a pretty in-depth conversation. But at the end of it, we were pretty much clear on their specific goals on what they want to do and then take it from there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it's uh, really one we're looking for what the client needs. So here's a here's an observation that I've made. It sounds like triple net lease properties have a lot of strength. It sounds like they have um, a lot of safety. It sounds like they're very mailbox money, as you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. So could you share this? What can go wrong with triple net lease? Yeah, so you have to, it's like any piece of real estate. You have to analyze it. Like you know, if you're looking at apartments, you want to look in the best markets. You want to look at the best sub markets. Uh, is it in a good location? I always talk about intrinsical value. Does it get good traffic counts? Does it get good? Um, visibility, um, if it's like a hard corner location, it, how's the population density, you know, does it fit that specific market? Um, what is the price per square foot? You know, I know some tenants like CVS, they're very aggressive buying very high um, <clears throat> price per square foot properties because they want to be on like the hard corner getting all of the traffic. Sometimes they may overplay their hand. So you kind of have to look at it from a macro perspective, also a micro perspective there. Um, then you have to find out um, the net lease world is kind of interest rate driven as well. So if interest rates are going up on the mortgage side, then that's going to change all of the metrics on the on the property value. So if you see maybe Walgreens now is being sold for like a four cap, knowing that the interest rates are like very high, then that's not a good deal. So really just knowing a lot of the numbers and I've seen some clients get into some bad deals and kind of regret it that they have a balloon payment, they got to get out of the deal and then they're running out of time and then they move in different pieces along. 
So it's really just really finding a good deal. But like I said, but any piece of real estate, you have to analyze everything. Even though net lease, not many numbers that you're looking at, you just got rent and then they're paying all the expenses or maybe it's just roof or structure. You really got to look deep into kind of the, um, you know, the, the deep bones of the property to make sure you have to good one. But there's risk and reward with every different type of real estate investment. All right. I'm going to ask you a little bit about five things that you just mentioned. One of them is the cap rate. You kind of mentioned that maybe depending on whatever the cap rates are, that could add an element of surprise. So um, we also talked about the interest rates being uh, affected, affecting like really your end result. We talked about a balloon payment. We talked about, you know, basically looking at the leases and when they come due. And the last one was structure. Um, and, and I think that meant the roof and other things. So I'll start at the bottom. When looking at the roof and the rest of the building and, you know, the structural integrity of the building, when doing a triple net lease, knowing that the tenant's supposed to pay for everything, is that truly a risk or not? Yeah, so you really have to look at the lease um, to see who is responsible for what. Um, sometimes you really don't find out until you get really deep into um, the property. For example, I had a client that we just bailed out on a 7-Eleven gas station. It was very cheap, about $1.5 And we didn't find out till like, and he's probably about 30-something days into his exchange. So he really has to kind of get the ball rolling to identify a property and get things going. And he was really counting on this deal to, you know, for his cash flow. So it was kind of unfortunate it didn't work out, but we're kind of glad that he didn't because he was causing problems. Uh, so even though 7-Eleven is a very reputable tenant, great location, and everything looked very good on the surface, we ended up finding out that there were some issues with the old lease that it used to be a you know different type of gas station years ago before 7-Eleven acquired this site and found out there were some issues as far as the, um, um, environmental and that the, the tenant wasn't going to be responsible that the lease wasn't fully clear. And then Seven Eleven and the previous owner thought that was clear. So luckily his attorney found that out at the last minute and we was able to get out right before our due diligence period ended. Cause if not, then that would have been something that he would have had to deal with. And last thing I want is my clients not be able to sleep because then I can't sleep because they're going to be calling me. So, so yeah, it's really just looking at, every single thing you possibly can getting good counsel just because it's just like a, a reputable CVS or McDonald's. It looks very sexy on the paper. It looks like a great location. You really got to dig deep and see all of the elements and then, you know, all of the usual stuff that pop up with any type of real estate transaction, have a great team, you know, great attorney, great accountant, advisor, um, title company that will find all of this stuff. It's just, I've seen so much stuff that, deals fell apart because of these little tiny things that you wouldn't expect that didn't show up on the surface. And the broker wants to move the deal. So like he's not looking out for that. And you as the buyer have to do your due diligence. So it's really key to have your team in place to look for. And one of the other things before we had that list, as far as things to worry about, I also mentioned to tenants is the, the tenants. So not all tenants are created equal. Now that Amazon is like the biggest buy everything store, a lot of these tenants are being wiped away as far as business. So that's a 
another big thing you got to worry about as well. So like some of the furniture sales, furniture sales stores, book sales stores, um, department stores that had clothes and toys and different types of gadgets, everything you buy online. I remember last time I actually been to a mall. You just buy everything from Amazon and it you know, gets here in like a day or two. So it's like, make sure you have to select the right tenant as well. So just wanted to add that on your list before we forgot that. Love it. Thank you for mentioning that you need to select the right tenant. That makes a lot of sense. Earlier, you also said that you need to watch out for balloon payments. And while I do know the term balloon payment and what it means, I don't know how it ties into needing to watch out for something when looking at a triple net lease. So can you tell me a little bit more what you meant there? Yeah. So I'm just, uh, as far as like analyzing the type of uh, mortgages that you want to slap onto the property, as I mentioned that these tenants, um, they have pretty much a fixed payment. Some of them will have say 10% rental increases every five years. A Walgreens, for example, is a flat lease. Uh, most of the CVS are, are flat leases. So you kind of got to look to see as far as the lease goes and then connect it properly with the best type of mortgage on it. Because if you have a, a period where you know your interest rate are, is going to rise or things are going to change, you want to be strategic on when you're going to sell your you know, sell your assets or flip it around or something like that. So, so it's kind of like a coincide of looking at type of lease and seeing if it matched properly with that you know, specific mortgage payment. Okay. So it's, it's similar when I'm doing multifamily, I look for the loans and I use, we use a lot of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and mm -hmm. those can have a two year term. Those can have a five year term. Right now it's harder to find, but you can have seven year terms or 10 year terms. And so that's really what you're talking about is when you're getting the debt put placed onto the property, you want to make sure that it doesn't come due at an inoptimal time, if that's even a word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I make up a lot of words sometimes too. But yeah, that, that kind of fits exactly what you're describing there. Okay. And then as far as the interest rate and cap rate, um, do you have anything else you wanted to talk about there? Yeah, just really just finding a good, good mortgage broker that's going to kind of give you some advice. I really lend a lot of my support to advise my clients and to kind of keep me up to date on what's going on in the marketplace. As you know, markets and things changing like all the time. So it's really key to kind of find out like what is the best you know loan that you can get for your deal and if it makes sense or how much you have to come down. I mean, it's just, it's just so many parameters you're just going to watch out for. So really uh, emphasizing that just having a good team in place to kind of help you navigate those stuff that you're not really an expert on. So when I, I work with uh, Walker and Dunlap a lot uh, and they just, they just know everything about the market. They just give me a call and they're able to get a conference call with my client prior to us even making offers on deals and say, this is the type of numbers that you're going to be looking at. Does this make sense for you? And then we can rattle it down to see, okay, these are the types of tenants we're going to look for. They can tell us, Oh, we give loans on, on these restaurants, properties, these, these medical properties, and these are types of rates that we're looking at. So we can kind of like, okay, this is our game plan. So it makes my life easier. It makes the client breathe a little bit easier because he has a lot of focus. And then we just get right to work and we just you know, get the deal in place and just move it, move it forward. And then the, the other question that was on my mind is, it sounds like, I think you were either saying Walgreens or CVS, or maybe you said both. Um, that their leases are called, quote, 
flat leases. And I took that to mean that you don't raise them up every five years by 10%. And uh, which made me further have more questions about it. And some of those questions are here. If Walgreens and or CVS has a flat lease and many of the others, they go up five years. Why does Walgreens have a flat lease? Is it just because they're so big, they can pretty much dictate the market. If you want us to be in your corner, you can never raise it up on us or what? Pretty much that's what it is. They're, they're one of the big dogs out there. So, you know, if you want to own and be a landlord for Walgreens Pharmacy, and they'll give you like a 50-year lease or a 75-year lease, you know. And for some people, that that works for them. I We're closing on a property in Louisiana, a brand new construction Walgreens, but this one has a 15 years and it's just flat. And my client, he's in the 90s and he's, you know, plan on just holding it, passing on to his kids. And it's a great location, so once that's over, they can renegotiate the lease afterwards after 15 years. But he's, you know, that's that's that particular strategy worked for him. So my clients, they're in their 40s and 50s. They need the rent bump, so they want 10% every five years. They want seven and a half percent every five years. They they got two percent annual increases on some leases. So it really comes down to what you want. But then some of those tenants, you know, like I say, 7-Eleven will do 10% every five years. Some people need annual bumps, you know, kind of like an apartment where you can kind of force appreciation and kind of raise the rents over time. Uh, so it really comes out to what, you know, type of property, what type of lease that you want, and then you go for it. But, you know, like I said, it's Walgreens, CVS, they're the big players in the pharmacy industry. They usually, you know, pay good prices. They're on a hard corner where they get 20, 30,000 cars drive by their storage day and they're getting good sales. People like that. So it really comes down to preference. Thank you for going into all that. Really, really appreciate it. We're going to get into the final five, but first a quick word from our sponsor. By now you should know that one of the biggest things that brings me joy and happiness is to meet listeners of the show. That's why I do so many live events. I definitely want to meet you if, you, if you'd like to meet me and some of our speakers, some of our presenters that come to the Raising Money Summit. And just to name a few, we've got Corey Peterson, Jason and Peely Yarusi, Michael Blanc, Michael Becker, Adam Adams, Ellie Perlman, Kathy Fedke, Maureen Miles, Jillian Sadoti, Jean Trowbridge, Alina Trigub, Todd Dexheimer, Ramakrishna, Jeremy Roll, Chris Clothier, Matt Terrio, and Mark and Tamil Kenny. It's going to be awesome. I'll see you on October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Just go to RaisingMoneySummit.com. And then if you want a big discount, just put in podcast because my podcast listeners get a giant discount because I am hosting that event. I'll see you October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. And we're back with Mr. Dwayne Clark. Mr. Dwayne Clark, let me ask you a quick question here. What's the most creative deal you've ever done? I would say uh, I was working on a very large um, office net lease property uh, for a REIT client of mine that they specialize in buying uh, properties and putting into what they call a DST, a Delaware Statutory Trust, and then selling interest off. The deal was kind of falling apart, so I was able to kind of connect the seller and get him back on board and kind of get the clients um, back what they needed in order to push through the deal. Because as you know, a deal is made when you have a motivated buyer and a motivated seller to do, do the deal. Uh, so it was a lot of legwork, phone calls, begging and praying, 
but finally was able to kind of get the minds connected to each other. And then we ended up getting that deal closed. So that's one of my most creative deals that I worked on. What's a book you recommend? Uh, I would say uh, Winning Through Intimidation by Robert Ringer. Uh, I've read a lot of technical books on real estate and took a lot of classes and mentorship, but really sometimes you need a little kick in the pants. So that book really dialogues as far as how to, how to win without people intimidating you and how to get what you want without intimidating others and then infringing on their rights and, and abilities. So it's a very good book. I have both the audio and the book version and I probably every couple months I put it into the car and kind of refresh it. So to kind of get me going again, especially when you have a you know, day when something doesn't work out your way. Awesome. Awesome. And where were you five years ago? I was uh, building my family. So I was married for a couple of years and my wife said, let's, let's start the family. So that's when, when my kid was born and we really started mentally saying we got to take our business to the next level because I really wanted to stay and work at home. So I really engineered the business from, but I did a little bit of multifamily brokerage, but it was a lot of driving in the cars, me doing clients doing this. So I transitioned fully to do net lease only. Um, and then also now we're doing the syndication stuff, but really to focus on engineering my business so I can stay at home with my family, take my kid to school, be with my family full time, have my wife stay home full time. So it's really just kind of getting those bones structured, working hardcore to kind of build up to where I am today. Where will you be five years from today? Uh, I want to focus and get in and diversify my investments and also to diversify my clients, investors, investments as well to get into the multifamily side as well. Uh, I dabbled with it, have a couple small properties, but really want to get hardcore into some larger deals. Uh, so I want to kind of switch over and then do my net lease as well, continue the ownership, but also keep, keep educating myself and focus a little bit on the multifamily side as well. And when you say big multifamily, how many units are you thinking? 100 plus units. So the, the goal was after every deal that I sell, I have my little account where I'm just going to stack it up, stack it up, stack it up. Now we got, we got our, our, our war chest and really now able to attack some bigger, larger deals. And of course, I work with, you know, some good sponsors that, you know, to kind of help us get over that platform. So that's kind of the goal in the next couple of years. How do you give back? Well, I'm a, I'm a Freemason, so we uh, do a lot of charitable work in our local town uh, from uh, raising money for education. I, I'm, I'm really big on education. The traditional education, I wasn't really a fan of, you know, like college and high school stuff, but the reading of the books, you know, the entrepreneurship, the mentorship. So we do a lot of give back to, to local students, but also I take in a couple of kids and I talk to them personally and work with them and try to, you know, hopefully get them over the hump and avoid a lot of mistakes that I have. So that's really giving back. And, and also whatever I can do, you know, locally in my community um, that people need, you know, I'm always want to be doing that. All right. Besides going straight to your podcast right after they listen to this episode, which is Wealth Through Real Estate Investing Podcast, they can find that anywhere that they find this podcast. So if you're listening here, you'll be able to find that podcast, listen to Dwayne Clark there. But how can they find you and reach out to you to get a hold of you? Yeah, I really appreciate you, you know, having me on your show. But yeah, you can reach out if you're interested in possibly buying a, an investment property in that lease space is buy nnnproperties.com, which is buy triplenetproperties.com. 
or we also have a syndication group called um, that's www.investingdoneforyou.com. And like I said, any, if any questions, you can also reach me with my phone at 860-385-1234. 860-385-1234. I try to make it as easy as possible so people can remember. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. I'm going to let you go, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. I hope you decide to go ahead and grab your ticket to the Raising Money Summit this year. The networking is going to be outrageous. So, I hope you'll accept my invitation to come to the Raising Money Summit by going to RaisingMoneySummit.com. Check out the speaker lineup. Check out the already amazing ticket prices that we have. And grab your discount for it as well. Just put in podcast. So that's your promo code. That's your discount code. I definitely want to see you there October 3rd, 4th, and 5th.